Let's open our Bibles, though, uh, to, go, to uh, Titus chapter 2, please. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, we've been doing a study in this book of Titus about sound doctrine and that it is so crucial, but it's not just some kind of head knowledge, it's not just some kind of, uh, you know, study that you would have in a textbook, so to speak, but it's like life. It's like something that affects us on a daily basis, or it should. Because we could go to classroom, right? You could go to school, go to classroom, and learn a lot of stuff. But if it's something that can be applied to your life and you don't apply it to your life, well, then it, it, it's just like it's, it's in a box somewhere, but it's not applying to you, to me. So that's kind of what he's talking about in this, this whole section, making it applicable. And, and he talked about all the different age groups, all believers, of course. You know that last time we talked about the fact that you know, uh, Paul said to live it and to teach it, to be uh, setting an example, he talked about there in verses 7 and 8. By doing what's good, he says. By doing what's right, to show integrity in, in your teaching, seriousness, soundness of speech, that cannot be condemned. So this example by our lives and this example by what we teach that it should be taught with integrity and seriousness. But uh, I think what struck me, I think, was the fact that, uh, that Jesus was our supreme example. And this, there it is. Jesus lived it and he taught it, right? He lived it and he taught it. He didn't just do one, he did both. And of course, uh, even in the most horrible of circumstances and, and the, the most horrible trial ever possible, of course, was the cross. And he lived it. He didn't just talk about going to the cross, right? Which he did do. He talked, the, he talked about it. He told them ahead of time, this is what's going to happen. They're going to they're gonna kill. They're, you know, I'm going to go in the grave and three days later. So the, the scripture sets that Stage, but Jesus, you remember when he was in the Garden of Eden? What uh, Garden of Eden? Yeah, he was there too. But, but the Garden of Gethsemane, it takes me a while to get warmed up. You know, it's been, it's been a couple of weeks since I've spoken here. Uh, although I did speak at the church in Florida, and that was a blessing too. On uh, two weeks ago, I taught him about Psalm 13. Uh, so anyways, the Garden of Gethsemane, you remember Jesus was there, and, and what did he say? He said, you know, if there's any way possible, right? If there's any other way that we can accomplish what needs to be, I'm, I'm, I'm adding to what he said, obviously, to, to get the, uh, the uh, impact of what he was trying to say. If there's any other way we could do this, any other cup, he said, show it to me. But he said, not my will, but yours be done. And of course, the Father said there was no other way. The only way was through the cross. So in that circumstance, in that most horrible of circumstances, Jesus uh, had to go through the cross to live what he'd been teaching. To live what he had been teaching. 
You say, why are you talking about that? Well, you'll, you'll see in a second here, even, even in the most horrible of circumstances, that God wants us to live out our faith. Let me say that one more time. Even in the most horrible of circumstances, God wants us to live out our faith. Well, what does that got to do with what we're looking at? Let's read verses 9 and 10. Turn to those, please. He says there in verse 9, he says, Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. Now, in the most horrible of circumstances, I think that these verses here are talking about that. He's speaking to those who were slaves, and, and you know, this is such a huge subject, it's, it's a... It, to be honest with you, a very difficult subject to deal with, to express and to look at the different sides and the different uh, 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 understanding of what is going on here. But let me say, let me start with this, first of all, that I don't think slavery is ever God's plan. It's not something that God wanted. I find it completely repulsive. Back in the time of Jesus, back in the days of the Roman Empire, it's just as repulsive today. And really, what it is, it's, a, it's the wickedness of man. It's a stain upon the human race. And, and let me say this right now, and, and, and I truly believe this, that there is only one race, the human race. There's not a bunch of different races. There's one race. It's the human race. The Bible makes it so clear back in Genesis chapter 1, the very first chapter in the Bible, obviously, that we, every single one of us, we're all created in the image of God. And we're all descended from Adam and Eve. He says there in Galatians chapter 3 up on the screen, he said, There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. All one in Christ Jesus. I found this quote in the NIV Study Bible. It says this, Both the Old Testament and the New Testament included regulations for societal situations such as slavery and divorce, which were the results of hardness of hearts. It said such regulations did not encourage or condone such situations, but were divinely given practical ways of dealing with the realities of the day. You see why this is a tough subject? Some of you are tracking with me here. Back in that day and, and the, the things that were going on, the, the estimates in the Roman Empire, that, that the estimates ranged that there were as many as 20 to 45% of the people in the Roman Empire were slaves. That's, that's a lot. So let's say average about a third. One out of every three people was in some kind of, of uh, uh, relationship like that. Now some of it, and, and again, I don't think any of it was ever right or healthy or good, but some of it was economic. If somebody uh, couldn't pay their bills, they could sell themselves. 
into slavery to pay off their own debts. But again, I don't think it was ever a good thing. Why? Uh, because of the reason that, that gets us to this place is the hardness of heart and the wickedness of man. And so for, for some that may sell themselves into this slavery relationship, you're still now uh, expecting those that would be over them to be kind and loving and good and right. But the human race is not like that. There's problems everywhere you turn in this thing. And then, and then too, in, in the last, say, 300, two to 300 centuries, uh, not centuries, uh, years, you know, making this uh, based upon race, it's horrible. It's just plain horrible. Exodus chapter 21 says this, though, anyone who kidnaps another and either sells him or still has him when he is caught must be put to death. This was the, the regulation found in Exodus chapter 21. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, you can read it later, it says that there's a whole list of things that are contrary to the law of God, and it says that, that taking someone into a, a, a slavery like this is against contrary to God's law. Now, the big picture... The big picture is this, that God sets the captives free. God sets the captives free. What is that noise? That's the big picture, you know. Uh, the people of Israel were enslaved in Egypt, and, and, but they were set free during what? The exodus. the exodus, right. Now, in their case, uh, you might make the, the case that you know, they were enslaved of their own because of their own sin. They got into that position, but it still doesn't make slavery right in any way, shape, or form. But God set them free. Jesus, when he was reading from the scroll in the synagogue, he read from the Gospel of Luke. But he was quoting from Isaiah 61, and he says this, The Spirit of the Lord the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. That's what he came to do. I found another verse I think that's, uh, that applies here too in Levit Leviticus. Again, in the Old Testament, we have this in Old and New God says this, he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. That's powerful. He says, I broke the bars of your yoke and I enabled you to walk with heads held high. Yet when you think about that, when you, when you look at that, situation there in Egypt. How long were they in Egypt? How long were they under this bondage in Egypt? Yeah, we're talking a long, long time. 400 years. It was a very, very long time. You say, okay, but why was it that way? Well, that, that was the reality of the situation, and, 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 they, 
And they cried out to God, and God did hear them, but maybe He didn't hear them soon enough in my thinking. I don't know the answer to that. Thinking about this situation, this subject that we're talking about here, though, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, if you can gain your freedom to do so. If you can do something about the situation, do it. Change it if you can. But what I want to talk and apply this to ourselves in this passage here, in this, in this very difficult thing, is that you and I, and I've already said this, you and I are called to live out our faith even in the most horrible of circumstances. If it was only that we live as, as uh, you know, shining lights when everything is bright and everything is good, you can't see the light that well, can you, when it's all bright? But when things get dark, the light shines brighter, doesn't it? I found this quote. I want to uh, read it to you. Somehow I got ahead there. He says this, We often live in difficult circumstances that we cannot change. Nevertheless, we can use the difficult circumstances to glorify God and to cause other people to want Him as their Savior. That's powerful, isn't it? Now, does that excuse the, the difficult circumstances? Does it excuse what was happening then and what has been happening in our history? No, absolutely not. But in the harsh reality of, of what we're talking about here, this, this wickedness for, for us to be whatever the difficult circumstances are that, that we can't change, that we can't make a change in perhaps right now, to use them to glorify God. to cause other people to want Him as their Savior. That's what he's talking about here in these verses. That's what he's talking. He, he's not condoning what, what's going on there. He's not saying that's a good thing that's, that's going on there. It was a harsh reality. Sometimes in our lives, uh, I don't know what your situation is, but maybe... And maybe it changes from day to day, the harsh reality of what we face, what, where we where we are, maybe the job that we're at. Not everybody loves their job. How many of you love your job? Well, there's one. And he's retired, so yeah, I can understand why. Nice one, Larry. How many love your circumstances? How many love your health? How many, there are so many things in this life that, that end up being just so difficult to deal with. And God, you know, uh, He promises to deliver us. He promises that one day we will be free from all of these things, but not totally and completely until when? Until heaven, right. Now, it doesn't mean he, that doesn't mean he likes everything, he, he thinks everything is good, but it's, a, it's a, you know, the fall of man. I mean, he, he looked around, and, and you can read about it in the early chapters of Genesis, Genesis, and what it says, he looked around, and all he could find was evil and wickedness, and what did he do? He sent a flood. He sent a flood. 
and destroyed everyone except Noah and his family. I was going to say Jonah, but that wouldn't work. <laughs> so in the harsh reality of whatever it is that you and I might be facing, can we, can we make the teaching about God our Savior attractive? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, wondering here. He, he talks about some of, the, some of the things in these verses here, you know, to be cooperative, to be honest, not to steal, to be trustworthy. And maybe that's a message for employees, right? Maybe we hate our job, but, but, but can we be all those things? How about in our marriages, in our homes, when things are difficult? In our families, we're coming up to Thanksgiving in some of the family situations. I know, I know, may be very, very difficult, but can we be a light despite, yet, despite the circumstances? Notice he says that, so that... So that in every way, they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. The King James Version translates it like this, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. What he's talking about in the circumstances they're in and the context is not beautiful. Right? See what I'm saying? The context is ugly, is not beautiful, but what he's talking about here, adorning the doctrine, the teaching about God our Savior, that is beautiful. It's taking something beautiful. One uh, commentator said this, that, that that phrase literally means to take precious jewels and arrange them so as to show their beauty to take precious jewels and arrange them so as to show their beauty. Wow. Even in the most horrible of circumstances that we can take the precious jewels of the teaching of who God is, that He's the Savior, and, and let it shine, that people would see the facets of that beautiful, precious jewel. That's heavy stuff, isn't it? This is, this is like where we're at. This is where we've been at, in, you know, as a, as a people. This is where, you know, the history of humankind, we've seen all the ugliness and the wickedness throughout the uh, centuries. But what did Jesus say? Matthew chapter 5, he said, Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and what? And praise your Father in heaven. They may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You see, it's a light that comes out of, of us. It's a light that, that comes, uh, comes out of us that, that reflects the light of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the, the teaching about God our Savior. David Guzik said to, he translated this, beautify God's truth by the way they live. 
beautify God's truth by the way they live. That's kind of radical. Again, unless we take this and apply this to ourselves, it's, it sounds all really good and interesting and everything else, but, but to, to take it now and to put it on me, what about in my life, in, in the, sphere, the spheres that, that I am living in? What Are people seeing the light? Are they seeing any light? Are they seeing any of that beauty? Even in the most ugliest of circumstances and places, are they seeing any kind of reflection on these jewels that are before them? And they praise your Father in heaven. It's radical. It's heavy. This is heavy stuff. In the most horrible of circumstances that we should live it. I read this quote, and uh, this is by a guy, ma- guy named Bertolt Brecht. Any of you heard of him? Some of you? Any of you? Well, then I can say whatever I want. <laughs> Actually, he was a playwright uh, in the early uh, 1900s, and uh, he wrote, uh, you've heard of the Three Penny Opera? Anybody? Cultured people. <laughs> Anyways, he's, he's, he's a German man, and uh, he was not a believer. And I say that because listen to what he had to say. Though he was exposed to the Bible when he was growing up, and, and they, uh, he, 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 you know, he was exposed to Christianity when he was uh, young. But listen to this quote. It's radical. He said, a person can be free even within prison walls. He said, freedom is something spiritual. Whoever has once had it can never lose it. He said, there are some people who are never free outside of prison. Get that, outside of prison. The body can be bound with chains. The spirit, never. One's thoughts are free. See what he's saying? Freedom is something spiritual. It's not necessarily your circumstance, it's something inside here. Something that God does inside of us. He may not free us immediately from our circumstances and the stuff that's around us, but does that mean that we can't have freedom inside? No, that's what He wants us to have. Think about it, though. There there are other examples uh, in the Bible, but in, in the book of Genesis, you know the story about Joseph, right? Joseph was sold, he was sold into slavery by who? By his brothers. And it wasn't his fault. Did he do anything wrong? Well, he was kind of, he, was, he had a little bit of an attitude, okay. But not enough to, for that to happen to him, right? You know what I'm talking about. Let me read to you. This is from Streams in the Desert, October 12th. It said, Joseph's master took him and he threw him into the prison the place where the king's prisoners were confined. So he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him kindness. He granted him favor in the sight of the prison warden. And the warden put all the prisoners under Joseph's care. Why? Because he was so trustworthy. Even in the middle of something that he didn't deserve, he didn't ask for, it was horrible. 
He was in charge of whatever they were doing, and the warden did not concern himself with anything that was in Joseph's care because the Lord was with him, and whatever he was doing, the Lord was making successful. When God lets us go to prison because we've been serving him, and there goes with us, prison is about the most blessed place in the world that we could be in. Wow. How many of you like say that? You, th- you see your circumstances, and you go, wow, this is the worst place I could be in, but actually that God could make it the most blessed place to be in? I think we have to change our thinking, right? We think differently. It's like, oh, I'm going to complain, I'm going to whine, I'm going to moan because I don't like. I don't like it. That's what uh, my little granddaughter says. Eat this. I don't like it. And you can't argue with her, by the way. It's fruitless. Joseph says he did not sulk and grow discouraged and rebellious because everything was against him. If he had, the prison keeper would never have trusted him. But this last part of this quote is a prayer. And it says this, Lord Jesus, when the prison doors close in on me, keep me trusting and keep my joy full and abounding. Prosper thy work through me in prison. Even there, make me free indeed. Even there. It's an attitude. It's a prayer. It's an attitude of our own spirits, our own hearts. What about Corey Ten Boom? How many of you know the story of Corey Ten Boom? Quite a few. You know the story. The, the movie The Hiding Place was about her life. And, and uh, there in Holland, they uh, took... Jews that were being persecuted and, and being killed by the Nazis and, the, and made a, a hiding place within their house to hide them and to protect them until they could get them to a safe, you know, safely out. But because of it, there was somebody who uh, informed, there was an informant who informed on them and, and her and her whole family were sent to the concentration camp. She lived in the concentration camp. Most of her family died either in the concentration camp or because of affliction that they received in the concentration camp. But I read this, I read this headline that says this, Corey Ten Boom, concentration camp survivor, testifies God's love is deeper than any pit of evil or suffering. Let me read that again. She testifies that God's love is deeper than any pit of evil or suffering. Wow. I don't know, but when I think about you know, the American way of life and what we have and, and the trials we go through and whine about, she was in a, a concentration camp in a horrible, horrible pit for what? Doing the good thing, the right thing. It says that in their time in the concentration camp, after they had to work all day long, hard days of work, that Corey and her sister Betsy, they actually held worship services in the barracks with other women using a Bible they had managed to sneak into the camp. 
She could have just moaned, right, complained. Well, it's a horrible situation I'm in. But they used it. They, they, they shined the light of Jesus. Who knows what the fruit of that was in that camp? One of the interesting stories about that, you can, you can read about it, is that uh, why didn't the guards come in and find out? I mean, they were having church in there, right? In the women's barracks with Corey and her sister Betsy, and they were having Bible studies. She was teaching the Bible. Why didn't the guards come in? Fleas. The place was overrun, infested with fleas. The guards would not go in there because of the fleas. You say, well, that just makes it even worse. Great. I don't know if any of you, you know, I, I've, I've been in, you know, in, in houses where they're infested with the fleas, and it is miserable, right? We were in this place in Connecticut. We, we, we had a, a time on the backside of the desert over there. And the place was completely infested. We, we, we must have set off 25 bombs. Now I know why my brain is not functioning the way that it's supposed to. Why did you stand there when the bombs went off? <laughs> no, we didn't stay in there. But... But Corey Ten Boom and, they, and, and her sister, they realized that the fleas were the reason the guards weren't coming in and they had complete freedom to have church. That's radical. That, in my estimation, is radical. So, let's wrap this up because I think we're having a potluck today. This is what I want to say to you today. Is, somebody already moved it there. Is that you and I, to be the best that we can be, no matter what the circumstances. Adorning the message of God our Savior. To be a light in the darkness. Is that easy? Anybody in here says it's easy? Step outside. And we're going to lock the door on you. It's not easy to do what we're talking about here today. But again, I say it so often, if God asks us to do something, what? He's going to give us the strength and ability to do what he asks us to do. He will. Let's live out our faith in the, the most horrible of circumstances. And I have to say that compared to slavery, compared to what Corey Ten Boom was facing, compared to what Joseph was facing, the circumstances that you and I go through are like nothing compared to it. So we should be shining like, like 100 LEDs. It, have you noticed how bright those LEDs are now? I bought one at Benny's. You know, Benny's is almost gone. I bought one, and that thing, you can't even look at into it. It is so bright. But again, our circumstances are like nothing. For you and I to live out our faith, to be the best that we can be, no matter what our circumstances are. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you. We ask you to help us. Lord, that we might shine a light, that we might let our lights so shine before men that they would 
see our good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. That we could adorn the doctrine, the teaching of God our Savior by the way we live even when things are not good. Father, I, I confess I can't do it. We can't do it without your help, without your spirit strength. Help us, Lord, I pray. Work in us that you might work through us. Father God, we pray too for any here this morning. I want to pray and give an opportunity for any who have never asked Jesus to be their Savior. We talked about God our Savior. Well, Jesus is the Son of God, God the Son, and He wants to be your Savior, and all you need to do is ask Him to come into your life, and He will come in. And you can pray with me right now and say, Dear Jesus, you lived it and you taught it. You went to the cross. You died for my sin. But all I have to do is ask you to forgive me. And you will. So I ask you now to come into my heart, come into my life, be my Savior today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and sing, shall we?